Hobart? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Right. You want to hear the story? I do. I, I'd I'm love to hear waiting it. with bated breath. It's just a, it's a really brief wait, story. Wait, wait, wait. We're not live yet on YouTube. One sec. I'm oh, sorry. Shit. My, my, my microphone was sagging. Seven, I sent um, Ryan some clips to pull up later on in the episode, by the way. Ryan's a good dude. Now we're, I think we're, I think we're on now. We are live now? <laughs> I think so. He gave us a thumbs up. Yes. I, I, uh, oh yeah, and YouTube popped up. I wonder why I don't see the chat window in YouTube. Does that take a while to, does that take a while to pop up, Ryan? Or is it because I don't have my window open big enough? People will comment as it goes. Uh, yeah, it'll pop up eventually. If not, let me know. Okay. Uh, guys, we're live with James Hobart. CrossFit HQ training team extraordinaire, Flowmaster, <laughs> um, owner of CrossFit Boston, New England. Oh, Boston. Yeah. Is CrossFit is that is CrossFit New England, CrossFit Boston the same gym? No, d- different gyms. Okay. And uh, Brian Friend is um, just your run of the mill dude. Coaches at a CrossFit gym. Normal as they get. Lives by himself. Lives by himself in an apartment, like spreadsheets. <laughs> Thank you. So you're selling me very high. He's a good coach, I hear. I hear. He's a good coach. He's, he's not on that one team. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Any. He's never developed any. I'm trying to think of something good to say. I'm shoving, digging around in my brain. I'm digging so, around. I'm digging somebody around. got a good night of sleep last night, Simon. You're, com- you're coming in hot right now. He 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 writes for this uh, South China Morning Post. Um <laughs> Yeah, I got a good. Actually, have a, should have a good article coming out pretty soon with them. Writes for the Morning Chalk Up. Uh, he's a frequent guest on um, Talking Elite Fitness with the voice of CrossFit, Sean Woodland, and Mr. Tommy Marquez. Um, doesn't do steroids. Lives in the middle of the country. All right. So. The reason why we're coming to you guys live today is the thought is this. There are three workouts that have been released, and they have stimulated that giant brain of Brian Friends. So we want to talk about them because when all 14 workouts come out, it'll be too much, or 15 workouts come out, it'll be too much. By the way, is it 15? Do we know that? I mean, Dave's using this 15 for 15 hashtag. It's the 15th year of the games. We have seen 15 scored events before. I think it's probable that there'll be 15 events. And James, um, what do you think? You concur? I mean, I have nothing really insightful to add to that, but yeah, I think it's dead on. <laughs> Did you do DHEA uh, when you were um, competing in the CrossFit Games? All right, that's how we're going to start this one. Um, I don't know. I want—I didn't want you to feel left out. I'm, I've gave <laughs> no, Brian so good. much attention already. No, I mean, I mean, no, I, I don't think I did. Ted Schultz, I can see you. Uh, you did not. You don't think you did. I don't think I did. All right, we'll circle back around. At the end of the show, we'll talk about DHEA. I think that was the um, over-the-counter supplement that some of the athletes were taking that got in trouble. Is that correct? Got- I mean, in trouble, I don't think really summarizes the gravity of what happened. It got them disqualified from the games. For four years. Yeah. She is disqualified for four years. Her team is unable to compete yeah. this year. They couldn't. Don't they have two subs? Couldn't they bring in two subs? Yes, but she because she participated in the semifinal, they're going to say her scores and therefore fitness or whatever that was 
enhanced by this product contributed to them making the games, and therefore we can't consider that a valid qualification. I think I read the lady's post. Either you sent it to me, Brian, or someone did. It, it, it's, it's kind of hard to read because you, you sense the gravity of how devastated she is. I haven't read anything like that since when Emily Abbott got in trouble. Like, just basically, it's like the person's world is completely turned upside down. Like, they're singularly focused on something and then it vanishes. Yeah, and I mean, well, I, I think th- even. I, th- I think we might be able to say the same thing. I think in the case of the team, it's even worse because you feel like you're letting down those other people too. Yeah, that's spot on, man. And and uh, and from and from reading what she said, um, uh, and just taking her word at face value, she—I mean, she clearly—it didn't sound like she was trying to cheat. No. Not th- not that I'm saying that that should get her off the hook, but I'm just saying, like her char- it's, there, there's no character assassination needed. It doesn't seem like it in this case. I mean, and you know, she was relatively new to the to the competitive landscape and. You know, sometimes people speculate that those are the people who are most likely to try using some stuff to try to get onto a platform like that. But also sometimes those are the people that have least familiarity with, uh, you know, what is and isn't legal. And it is a product you can buy over the counter. So it's like also believable that it's an honest mistake. Brian, do you know Scott Polensky? <laughs> I know Scott Polensky. Yes, he says he Jesus. Made... <laughs> you're you're padding the comments with your fucking people. It's disgusting. He just said Brian's a killer coach. Oh well, he, he never listens to me in the, I think, coaching anyway. Wow. <laughs> well, now I hope just, he ne- I hope he never does a thing you tell him. Just, just some rocks being hurled back and forth. Your 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 uh your client retention must be amazing. Brian. Yeah, seriously, you're a great coach. You never listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott's one of my good friends. I play a lot of disc golf with him, and he does follow watch a lot of our podcasts. Yeah, well, not anymore. <laughs> right. um, let's it. talk about event number one. Um, uh, when was it announced, and what is it? And is this typical for Dave to start doing this, either of you? Yeah, definitely. July 4th was the first announcement, and I think he's made July 4th kind of a, the first announcement regularly. I'm I think he did that for Murph the first year, which obviously makes yep. sense being such a patriotic workout. And I'm sure he's he's kind of zoned in on that date as a good time to start releasing some information. Usually he likes to release workouts that will just give the athletes a chance to. I mean, we talked about with Madero's how you, you know, if you're really serious about competing at the games, you can obviously recognize that paddle boarding has showed up there three times in the last six years, and you can probably work that in a couple times throughout the year just to make sure you have that skill. But if you're just making the games for the first time and you're like, dang, I, you know, I, man, the games is such a different playing field. All these things can be available that they couldn't have at a semifinal or an open or, or a sanctional. And if you just give a clue like that, then those guys can say like, okay, uh, let me try to get on a paddle board now. Cause some people did, you know, they have to put everything into just qualifying that first year. What is the event? Did you say in that? In that? <laughs> no. Sorry. Oh, um, so what is the event? Well, it's a long swim followed by a longer paddle. And that's the extent of what Dave has, has given us. And did he say paddleboard specifically? <sighs> oh, God. I don't, I don't know if he said that word specifically. It's a fair question. You sound like one of my kids. That's like something one of my kids would say. They don't, they're not allowed to say, oh, God. They would have said, oh, gosh. <laughs> right. In minute three of the podcast, they would have said, oh, gosh. But by an hour in, they'd be cursing. 
Um, uh, what, what, I, I don't. I'm not a fan of the paddleboard. I don't. I don't see. What do I know? But it, I don't see it as testing any like like common denominator fitness. Nor do I enjoy watching it. And I think it's a. Uh, um, there's a, there's a like it's like a trendy component. I'd never even heard of paddleboard until like you know five or ten years ago. It just popped on the scene, and every Tom, Dick, and Harry was doing it. James. I was just thinking about this because when I did demo team in 2019, we tested this paddleboard event. It was the first time I had been on one. And I thought before that, that they were kind of stupid. Um, and now having been on one, I think there are a couple of things. I think there are survival skill. I think if you're really good, if you're really fit, I think you're going to be good on the paddleboard, even if you're not the best swimmer. Um, there's a ton of balance. There's a ton of, you know, stamina and endurance on it. So I like the paddleboard a lot more now. It's not the most exciting event to watch. And I get that, but I do like it a lot more now. I think it's a really good test because it, it, it will, if someone's a great swimmer, they're probably going to be great at both paddleboard and swimming. But I think if someone's not a great swimmer, but they still are relatively balanced and they are strong, they have good Metcon. I think they can still be good on the paddleboard. James, do you think it's James, fair? you're going to have to carry this podcast because people are all already complaining about Brian's internet. Oh, oh great. That's the... <laughs> Brian's did just shrunken in. CrossFit Games That, that really one. hurt Brian. Uh, in, in all seriousness, Brian takes this reporting and what he's trying to give you guys very seriously. He doesn't mince words. He's very um, specific in what he says. And the fact that you guys can't hear it, like if you couldn't hear me, it would be my ego that was hurt. For Brian, it was. it's not his ego. It's his his integrity like he any so war apologize he wore a college shirt tonight for everyone too <laughs> so you guys better be nice to him <laughs> it's just uh, uh it's frustrating because i can't do anything about it really or i don't know what to do um james when you say you got on the paddleboard and that you didn't think it was lame after you got on it like what what do you mean? Like, and you're saying that there's a survival element. Like, what are you talking? I was just picturing like someone on a boat, and the boat, you know, explodes, and you're stuck on a piece of driftwood with another piece of driftwood to paddle yourself around. Like, and other than that, I'm not, I'm not feeling you. I'm not feeling you. Well, now I think, I think that's exactly it. I think um, it takes away oh, some really? of the, like a cartoon. Yeah, like yeah that's exactly what, that's what I have in my head. I had I was like, <laughs> okay. imagine if you're just in the water floating on a piece of wood. Um, uh -huh. No, I was so, you know, it didn't look that hard when I've seen other people do it. But then you always have to remember that they're, they're CrossFit Games athletes. So um, they're the best of the world at what they do. I was just really impressed how hard the balance piece of it was, how hard the stamina of it was. And I liked the extra, I liked that challenge aspect of it. And it wrecks your arms. I mean, the stamina component is huge for it. And um, I... I don't think it's such a specialized skill. You know, like people are always like, oh, we should put shooting in the games. Like you could be a really great shot and not fit otherwise and, you know, score really well on that event, which you don't want. And I think you could be really fit and not necessarily a great swimmer, even though Brian's probably gonna be like, well, historically, the athletes who win the swim also excel at the paddleboard. Um, I think you could be really fit and not a fantastic swimmer and still showcase your fitness on the paddleboard so that's why i do think it's better than things like a stand-up paddleboard or something like that i'm glad you said what brian was going to say too that way he doesn't have to talk you just did both you, you, <laughs> you took said, my words you took my leadership to heart hobart you said uh, carry the podcast all right i'm going for it <laughs> um 
Brian, someone says that you should you should I don't know why I didn't think of this. Um, a guy named John George said that you should just hardwire your computer. Yeah, why don't you just plug your computer in with a uh, Cat six cable or some shit? Okay, I am Thanks thinking about that. That's actually I was literally just thinking that. Might be going to the store tomorrow. <laughs> okay, I don't believe you. Brian, how'd you get electrocuted? Oh, John George told me to hardwire my computer. <laughs> um, do we do we already know who the winners of these events are? Well, I know we don't know who the winners are, but is there is is, is it just like what you've been telling us all along, Brian? Like we're going to see Yanakoski and T are going to be the the heavyweights in this. I mean, I think so. I've spoken, you know, we talked to Maderos the other day and he seemed to think he can compete to, to win this event, which I, I really honestly don't know if he can or not. Um, but I think from the other athletes I've spoken to and things I've seen in the past, if it's really that long of a swim, um, there's then if you have a guy who's that good at swimming as Yona is or Tia is, it's probably going to be hard to catch him on the paddle because they probably won't be bad enough at it. I think what James was saying earlier about that if you're an average swimmer or okay swimmer, but you can make up some distance on the paddle is more applicable to the middle placements. You know, I think that the top five people will probably just be the best swimmers no matter how long the paddle is. But once you get beyond that, you'll see some people that will actually make some significant moves on the paddling portion. What, what could someone be really, could the paddleboard just really hurt someone who's rather a good athlete? I'm not asking that right. I'm just wondering if if it's going to expose weaknesses in people that really aren't um, legitimate weaknesses. Like, is there something about it, like you said, like shooting, or if like it was shooting free throws, like, it, like is it stable? Can you fall off of it, and, and, and not really just be because you just haven't had any practice on it? Can yeah, someone just hundred percent. I mean, if if you having never been on one definitely makes it tougher, especially you don't have any experience with something like, I don't know, surfing, or if you're not, I mean, you could be, if you're a really terrible swimmer, it's not going to make it any easier. Um, but I, I still don't think like, like Brian said, I still don't think it's as specialized as some skills that you could put into the games that would be really polarizing regard to completely regardless, um, of someone else's fitness. Ryan, do you think you could find the video of Dave announcing that workout? I think it's relatively short, and find out if he said paddleboard specifically. I I pulled up it, it, it. I pulled it up here. It says paddle distance even longer. So he doesn't say paddleboard. <clears throat> nope. Hmm. <laughs> Dave's tricky like that. Very tricky, and and, and yeah, very tricky. Um. Final question on this before we move to workout two, unless you guys have something to add. Do do you know of any athletes who show up will show up to the games, um, and had had have had zero experience on a paddleboard, like zero, like that's the first time they're going to get on it. I mean, you you wonder about um, you know like the, the athletes from Asia, for instance, like if you're racist, if you're racist. Like, no, I'm saying depending on where you live in Russia, it might be landlocked and it might not have a lot of access to water and they might not do paddle boarding in that country. So it could be relatively new to an athletes like that. I feel like that would be the most likely for it to be new to. James, if they did a different kind of paddle, like if they did kayaking instead of paddle boarding, would you like that more or, or worse or less? I would like it less just because um, the more – like because now you have the boat – and you have the the paddle, 
the more pieces of equipment that I think you add to the event that fall outside of your typical CrossFit pieces of equipment, I'm less of a fan of seeing those things pop up in the games. Um, yeah. And I, and I, I don't think he's going to do that because in the past when he's done stuff, like when he announced the crit, he made it clear, you're going to have to know how to clip in. And I think the first day they announced the paddleboard, he like posted pictures of the paddleboard. So I think if there's a new implement like that, he wouldn't want to just shock them with it uh, the day of, you know, or a couple of days before the competition. Yeah. I also think, I think Dave really likes to challenge the athletes, but I don't, I do think he wants to give the athletes a chance to showcase their best stuff. Like try and ride this really fine line of like, Hey, I'm not going to spoon feed you anything, but I also don't want you to be, completely unprepared and look, you know, look like an idiot. I want you to be able to show me what you have. Like, I think he does enjoy balancing those two things. Well, we definitely know that every year he wants the athletes, a part of coming to the CrossFit games is for the athletes to perform something they themselves didn't think that they could do. Yeah. He's in, he, 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 it's a place for them to, sh to learn about themselves. And in the classic was when he had the hundred pound dumbbell in the regionals that one year, right? It's an example. Yeah. Thank you. Robert, you could have responded too. Thank you, Brian. It's one less insult I'm going to give you. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't feel like the 100-pound dumbbell was the best example. Of that I think something like the pegboard is a good example or even the crit was a good example, but that's fine. I get, I get your point, and I agree, and I like it. I think well, if, that was a big shift. if there are people who are, um, who are looking forward to this event, it's also it's worth noting that the women's field swimmers is, is deeper than it's ever been because we have um, at least three new – athletes this year to a swimming event and Emma Tall, Amelia Lepinen and Sydney Michaelish and who all have some some pretty significant swimming background and there's already several good swimmers in the field we know Tia and Cara are good Laura Horvath, Bethany Shadburn, Haley Adams Amanda Barnhart, Sam, Sam Briggs Danny Spiegel. So there's at least a dozen pretty good water athletes in the women's side. So it should be pretty fun and I expect that they'll actually do pretty well relative to the men um, especially on the swimming part yeah, Emma Tall was a mermaid for the first 12 years of her life. I mean, basically, I, from talking to her, I mean, she she was – didn't she say she swam for 12 years? Yeah, she swam for a long time. Yeah. And Taylor Self told us he was great at uh, the swim, a great swimmer too. How's, how do you think he's going to do? Well. <laughs> Wrong. Is that, trick, is, that, is that a trick question? Yeah, just take. I just wanted Brian to say he didn't make the game, so Taylor started crying if he's listening. <laughs> I didn't say it. You said it. <laughs> um, what's workout number two here? Of the three workouts that we know, this is, um, I think, you know, warrants the biggest discussion probably because we know a decent amount, but we know the least amount of it at the same time. So basically, we were expecting a down and back chipper style workout with. A uh, hand overhead sled, sled pull, a pig flip, a 42 muscle ups of some kind, and then another pig flip and sled pull, presumably of the same distances, just in reverse. Um, the, the, the reason why it. Hand over, I, go back to that one movement you said, hand over what pull? Hand over hand sled pull. Uh, so basically, like you're sitting on the ground and there's a rope it, it, with a sled attached to it 100 feet away and you pull it to, 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 towards you? Yeah, and you that just stutter. And I don't actually yep. know if you, I don't think <laughs> I don't think you're mandated to do it hand over hand. You could like pull and heave and have some of those things and fall back with it or whatever, but you have to pull the sled using your hands. Yeah, over some distance. Oh. 
Okay. I just wanted to, I was just trying to picture the, the, the look. It's basically that thing that, um, Rich and Josh, uh, raced at one year at the games, right? In the final event. No, that wasn't final. That was, um, well, there was the 2011, which was the end workout, right, Brian? And then there was 2014 was the push pull that was in the stadium and it had handstand pushups and that hand over hand sled pull. Who won the, that end workout with the rope pull? Do you remember? I don't remember if it was Richard Josh. Might have been neither of them. I think it was Pat Barber. Oh, the end workout. Sorry, not 2014. Yeah, I think Pat Barber won. Yeah, he won the final one because he sandbagged the first two AMRAPs. <laughs> and then he, and yeah, he was pretty I think good. Sandbags, <laughs> and under, sandbags an understatement. Yeah, he, str- he, strate- he strategized. But hey, he won a games workout, and, and that's always cool. Okay, so, so um, and is there a time domain on that that we know, Brian? <clears throat> well, no, that's one of the big questions is we don't know how long the sled pull is. We don't know. At least I don't. I, I'm not confirmed. Some people have said maybe they know, but. Unknown distance for sled pull and pig flip, and unknown va- variant of muscle up. We don't know if they're bar muscle ups, ring muscle ups, burpee muscle ups, or any kind of muscle up that, that you could imagine. But he did tell. But Dave did tell us those movements: sled pull, pig, and muscle some some form of muscle up. Well, he had Max Greenfield tell us those. Oh right, right. It would be cool, man. Okay, and. uh do we know any of the weights? Do we know the weight of the pig? Does it have a standard weight? No. So this is the big the reason why I think that this workout is kind of cool is at this point we don't necessarily know what the sticking point is. Depending on how heavy the sled is, how many pig flips they have to do, the weight, you know, potential weight weight of it and what kind of muscle ups they are, each of those movements has the opportunity to become the sticking point for a specific athlete or for the majority of athletes. And at this point it's hard to predict that. Or at least I think it is. Um, and Hobart, why aren't you calling Brian out on calling that a chipper? You're the um, uh, level one guru. Isn't that a triplet? Yeah. I, call, I called it a down and but, back chipper. Yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, that's not a super interesting thing to talk about. I just, I feel like if you don't repeat, go back to a movement and like cycle through the same exact pattern, I don't really call it a couplet or a triplet. But... Okay. I want to know. I want to know. Didn't they change the height of the pig between a couple of years? Because that matters almost more than than maybe the weight in some cases. And why is that? I don't get that. Just because the height of it, especially for shorter athletes, and if they're not as strong as some of the taller athletes, it's a lot harder for them to flip. Right. Okay. Just because they're not getting it as high as high, you know, in reducing the center of gravity before they push it over. You're right. So like Colton Merton's like trying to flip an eight foot pig. It's going to flatten him. We're going to have Colton the pancake Merton's. He's going to just, just come down on us. I don't want to say I mean, I'm serious. I don't want to say that about him because he seems pretty strong. Um, and I think but this is not- something that will be in his, uh, he will be good at, but yeah, it's probably a harder push for him than someone who, who like Fakowski. I mean, I mean, just imagine this. Imagine it's a really long pig. Right. And you lift it up and his hands only go so high and you're like trying to walk it up, up to over and it just teeter totters over your hands to your back. Well, did you see that picture Noah posted on his Instagram of him flipping the pig? Like, I don't think Noah's that tall. And I remember watching uh, Austin the same way at 2015 when he had to flip this thing. And it was like he did. He had to like walk halfway under it with his hands over his head before he could finally push it over. And then I remember Spencer Hendel would just like grab it once and it would just flip over three times. Wow. And Spencer Hendel was, second, Ryan, who, was it, second place on that workout. Yeah. 
Brian, is someone in your house with you? No. Oh. What? I saw you looking over at someone like smiling at him. You're just smiling at a monitor over there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he was the, he was talking the about disc the, golf champions on? No, but if you haven't watched the final nine, you should. Is that the uh, is that a movie or uh, you're talking about the championship? Just the last happened? nine holes of this year's Disc Golf World Championships. It's about the best hour of disc golf you'll ever watch. Did you see that Hobart? By the way, the final oh, nine. Here we go. No, yeah, it's incredible. Brian pointed it out to me. It really is. Even if you're not into frisbee golf, it's worth watching. It's pretty nuts. So from this shot that we're watching right now of the pig flip, we're not really ha- okay. Let's see what Dan does. Uh, he's not going to do anything. He looks defeated. Where's he going? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious if anyone has to actually go underneath it. Like, do you have to go underneath it? No, not really. But you can almost like power clean it, and that's like a good way. You're almost like power cleaning it to the shoulder and then giving it like a, like a like a push press slash jerk to finish the push. Who's that? That's Spencer. And this is what it's meant. Yeah, you know, this he, is what it's meant to look like. Yeah. He's just doing it like it's nothing. And not that Spencer. Hobart, have you, have you touched one of these Hobart? Have you touched a pig? Yeah. Is, um, are they slippery? Um, no. Cause th- they're that, um, material on the end is like, has a little bit of texture to it. They're not terribly slippery. So if you get sweaty, if it hits your face or your hands are sweaty, it's not, it doesn't become slippery and, and like dangerous if you like slipping forward and it's squishing you. I don't, well, I don't think it's, I don't think it's dangerous, but it could become slippery. I mean, you could, if you didn't like move your leg out of the way underneath it, like I have, like when you fail a tire flip and like you just, it lands on your leg. If you're trying to prop it up with your leg, like it's definitely going to make it a lot harder. Are tire flips comparable to this in any way? Uh, yes, just because of the basic movement mechanic, but because of the length of the, and the weight, but because of the length of the object, I think the pig's a little bit different. And I do think like compared to most tires, these are easier to grip. Okay. Is, that's Fraser we're watching right now with the hat on? <clears throat> no, uh, he's, he's Fraser's he's wearing white. Okay. Oh, right. The leader jersey. Yeah, that's six, six, almost seven feet long. And how many, and how many, how many pounds did these pigs weigh? It says, it says 560. <laughs> Damn. It's heavy. Oh, and it said the length too, right? It said six and a half feet. Did you just say that? Yeah, just almost seven feet. That's a thing to consider too, though, right? Like, you know, Dave is pretty notorious for making those just little increments of upscaling workouts and weights. Like maybe you see a heavier pig slightly. I mean, I don't think you need to have a heavier pig to sort out the wheat from the chaff, but. I mean, this is one of those. Nasty. This is one of those implements that people have been waiting to see come back to the games. I mean, I, I certainly have because. It was uh, in 2015, the last time we saw it, there were some guys we saw really move it very well, but a lot of the guys struggled with it. And I just, you know, I, I, I have a feeling that mo- a lot less people will struggle with it this year. Can you buy one of these pigs? No, I don't think you can. Really? I, mean, I, I, I don't think a lot of people have them. Well, if you can't buy them, then I mean, they probably don't have them. Yeah, how I mean, unless you have the in with Bill and Katie or with Dave, and, and and even if you were to buy it, I wonder how you would get it to your house. I mean, imagine the 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 truck that has to bring that. Yeah, you just sell an arm and a leg. All right, is there anything else you want to say about workout number two? Do we want to talk about who's going to win this? Who this suits? Yeah, definitely. So it's like um, we can see. <laughs> Seems like a hopper workout. It very well could be a, a good workout for him. There are you know, but we also know from. 
the years that they've had sled pulls at the games, specific, specifically in 2016, the rope chipper event, they had to do all these double unders and machine work, double unders and more machine work. And then the, at the end, they had this long tennis court length rope sled pull to do. And basically, it, it was completely irrelevant how you did on all of the other part of the workout because guys that were coming to the sled 6th, 7th, 8th in their heat and could move it the best, specifically Brent Fakowski, passed everyone on that single movement. And when we had um, the the rope sled event in 2018, a two-stroke pull is what it was called, in 2018, again, it was the people who could manhandle that sled pull that were you know gaining, that's where they were picking up the most time. This is the one from 2016. So they go through all this and all that matters in the end. This is great because Josh Bridges was killing this. He was winning this heat. He's in this outside lane and he is unfortunately the example of the guy who struggled with the sled here. And so you'll see him get passed by everyone and you'll see Fikowski pass everyone because he was so good at the sled pull. So if the sled pull and this pig are both movements that we've seen just stop people in their tracks before, that's why I said it's so important that we know what the weights and distances are so we can kind of see which one is more likely to be the sticking point. Are we going to get in trouble for showing CrossFit Games footage on our podcast? You, you might. I hope so. Um, Brent Fakowski's posted stats on um, the games website. He says says he weighs two hundred and twenty pounds. <clears throat> Insane. That's a, yeah. I saw somewhere. I saw somewhere two seven. Oh, and here you see just, just look at how easily he's pulling this. And he literally, you can see this is a great view. He's way over there, and everyone else is way behind him. And they were all even at the start of the sled pull. So if he can pull the sled like this. <clears throat> and it's that like it, it's an opportunity to make up that much speed, then you can say there's going to be guys who are going to make up some significant ground on the sled. There's also going to be guys who make it up on the pig. And I just think the muscle-ups are probably going to be the least important of the movements, even though for normal people, 42 muscle-ups seems insane. What I think is really cool too with some of these like grit or like grunt movements is that um, being really fit, obviously you're going to benefit from that. But if like you can apply your skills and technique to those movements, like that can help even more. Like someone like Fakowski, if you watch him pull, like he's not just using like his mass. He like has a really nice technique where it's like arm, arm, and then he leans back and uses his body. So, and probably with the pig is the same way. Like you could be a really good athlete in terms of like squat clean or power clean. But if you can't, tra- if you can transition that movement to something like the pig, that's going to benefit you even more. I like that with like some of those strongman elements or you know, non-barbell elements with athletes. You're more athletic, and it's a cool thing to see. Like, Fikowski's that kind of athlete, competitor. Brian, sorry, sorry. Um, 40, 42, 42 muscle-ups, did Dave say it's 42 muscle-ups? Max, Max Greenfield said that, yeah. He did, okay. So bear with me here. So we know it's a pig, and we know it's 42 muscle-ups, and we know it's a sled, but we don't know how heavy the sled is, how far it has to be pulled, and we don't know how far the flip pig has to be flipped. We don't know what kind of muscle-ups it is, but we know it's 42. That's a trip that they gave that one. I wonder why he did that. Why did he give that one number? And then you have to assume if the 42 muscle-ups are not one set, if they're broken up, then that significantly helps someone like um, – actually, I mean, it helps everyone, right? Because if it's 42 straight, then people could get stuck. But but if it's not 42 straight, then it's insignificant. No, no one's doing 42 straight. And and basically, when we saw the 30 muscle-ups for time – there were a lot of people finishing very close to each other that had, that was in 2018, that had different strategies. You could do six sets of five with a very small break and be right there next to someone who went 28-2, you know. 
um, because their breaks were going to be just needing to be a little bit longer. And I've seen big volume gymnastics stuff like this done by Brent Fikowski before in Dubai where they had, I think it was like 60 toes to bar. And he just did sets of five the entire time and beat the entire field doing that when there were guys who started with sets of 15 to 20. But he was just methodical, very calculated breaks, and able to ch chip away at that faster than anyone else. Let me go big picture here for a second and talk about all three workouts. This is, You guys are going to love this. You guys are going to hate me and love me. The first workout, any chance there'll be a weighted vest in the swim this year? <laughs> no. And then that's a damn shame. I agree with you, Hobart, but it's a damn shame because wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, second workout, any chance there'd be a weighted vest in that? Possibly, no. but I think there'd be a better use for it later in the competition. And then we get to the third workout, which is the most realistic, right? <clears throat> Any chance there would be a weighted vest in that in this 550-meter sprint? Because how, how, well, let me ask you this before you answer that. Does Dave ever give just the whole workout for real? Like are some of them uh, I think just, hey, this is the real thing? When he shared Murph, I think, you know, and that was at <laughs> 2015, 2016, 2015. I think he shared like how it was going to be done and how it was going to be partitioned. I don't quite remember though yeah I'm, i i would guess that he would say that it's going to be murph but i could see him not sharing how it's going to be partitioned but you would remember better than me i don't i was just there to film naked half naked bodies i don't know okay, i don't know so, for sure on that so, but i think that this particular workout um it is a, it's possible. I mean, I, to me, I wasn't really thinking about the weight vest. I'm more thinking about logistically, how is he going to have them run? Because I'm projecting that, like, at least for the men, it's going to be a minute 10 to a minute 30 seconds, probably for almost everyone to do this run. And in that much time, if you start them in the stadium and end in the stadium, I, I, I then I think that that bottleneck getting out of the stadium plays too big of a factor. So I'm hopeful that he's going to start them. I don't know what the heats will be like or whatever, but I'm hopeful that there's an opportunity for them to start and have like a hundred yards to run before any kind of turns come up so that they can filter themselves out based on their running capacity and choice to go fast or slow at the start of the workout rather than a lane selection. Right. I, I, I think, I think we know how this is going to be laid out. Go ahead, Hobart. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I imagine that what if they do this just like they've always done in the past and have some sort of like, you know, um, what is that called? Knockout, I guess. Yeah. Like a knockout style. It'll be on the field. It'll be some sort of down and back relay kind of thing. Not relay, but down and back. <clears throat> and they're going to run fast too. By that, I mean, I don't mean the athletes are going to run fast. I mean, he's going to make this thing an amazing spectacle. It's going to be six guys up. They're going to open the gate. The horses are going to take off. The crowd's going to go fucking nuts. There'll be a 30-second or one-minute reset, and there'll be six other savages at the front line. That one, it was interesting to me. I, did, I never know how Brian's going to react to the um, workouts. And when I taught, he said, did you see Dave release the third workout? And I said, no. And he goes, I love it. And uh, But we'll get to why you love it, Brian, in a second. I want to go back to workout number two. Um, so can you give me like four or five guys with just a little bit that you know that you think are going to do well? Is this like, is this Roman, Fikowski, Hopper? These are the, we're going to see the big athletic dudes. Yeah. I man. think Hopper will crush this. Yeah. Sorry. All three of those guys should do well. I'd expect uh, Justin Medeiros, Cole Sager, Pat Valner. I mean, this is one of those workouts that for the most part, the guys who are going to be in the top 10 come the end of Sunday will also do really well on this workout. 
Someone just says they have a pig at Mayhem that they believe. Paul Desmond just contributed. I believe that they've been using it this past week. The pig. Um, what about the women? What do you see on the women's side for this? Seems like uh, Laura Horvath should do really well on this. Obviously, Tia is going to do well on just about anything. I think a kind of a sleeper pick here for the women is um, Emily Rolfe. There was a workout at the Granite Games a couple couple of years ago called the Longest Mile 2.0. And granted that the women's field that year wasn't like amazing, but it did feature some of these kind of um, grunt work, sled pulls, and she she won that workout. Uh, so she she might be someone that you wouldn't necessarily expect who could do well on this one. Anyone else? Any other women? Let's talk. Give me one more, one or two more. You know, this is the type of workout where, well, I mean, this is the type of workout that I'm really curious to see how the younger girls do, Mallory O'Brien and Emma Carey, because this is like, this is a big time games workout. And I think that it'll be the the first insight we have early in the week to where they can stack up in in this field. So I'll be watching them closely. So, so this is like my son when he graduated to the tenant, the, third level of tennis all of a sudden he, he after the first class he's like i gotta pee i gotta pee and i go why didn't you go during class he goes this is the big boys class you're not allowed to pee in the middle of it anymore oh wow so you're saying this this is the this is the big boy big girl this is the big boy big girl workout yeah but i did dodge your question also daniel brandon's another girl who i expect to do well here and uh how about danny spiegel how what's her what's her muscle up um, it's, I mean, 42 is a big set. Uh, I think she'll, you know, have, have a calculated game plan and, and takes, you know, won't take any risks on the muscle ups. If she's good at the sled pull and the pig, I still think she can salvage like a top 10, 15 finish. But I think that she'll, she probably won't be able to keep up with the top three to five girls on this one. And then let's talk about these, these, the smaller women, Christy Aramo and Carrie Pierce. I mean, you. I mean, Carrie. There's no arguing that Carrie Pierce is a, is a is a fire plug and a powerhouse, but uh, and and the muscle up shouldn't be a problem. But how about that pig and that sled? I think I think that where we're at in the sport right now, that there's a, there's an advantage to having some weight behind you on the sled and the pig that will be more advantageous than having the extra weight when you have to do 42 muscle ups. So I just I expect that the heavier like the the fit, but kind of heavier than average by five to ten pounds. Athletes will shine on this one. Hobart, how important is skill? Which one of these is the highest skill in terms of movement? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the muscle up is right. And and can a big person compensate with skill? I know this is kind of a, a really tough one to ask you. Can a big person compensate with skill on the muscle up where a small person can't compensate with skill on the sled pool and the pig? Um, well, yeah. And I think more so than skill, it's the strategy that they can go into this with as far as the muscle up is concerned. And if the big person gets to the muscle, big athlete, get bigger athlete gets to the muscle up, they're less fatigued from the pig and the sled pull then that's a huge advantage for them. Um, but I, I also will say this. I think considering what most of the games athletes are familiar with and what they're good at, I think if you have an edge on technique in the sled, like we watch Fukowski pull or in the pig flip, um, then I think that helps you more. And that's where you can gain an edge. I feel like muscle up capacity, like 
is pretty, I don't want to say the same, but I think you'll see more similar capacity there than you will across the sled pull and the pig foot. In, in a, we're, we're at the top of the heap here. Yeah. These are all games athletes and everyone's got the muscle up. And if you don't, then, then. Well, they all have the muscle ups, but I would say like, this is a pretty, I would say this is a pretty brutal draw of a workout for Katrin David's daughter because she's generally good on the grunt work stuff. She could probably do pretty well on a sled pull and pig flipping event. But when there's 42 ring muscle ups, it's not that she's bad at them. She's been working on them really hard and she's fine. I mean, she, she placed seventh in the workout with 60 ring muscle ups in the semifinals. But like you said, this is the game. So all of the girls that can do 10 muscle-ups unbroken without thinking about it over and over again are here. So that weakness might be um, amplified here. And when it's amplified in a workout that features other things that you usually excel at, that's kind of, like I said, maybe just a bad draw for her on this event. What do you think about, um, what do you think about women getting taller? You think we're ever going to see a woman who's six feet tall in the games? Hmm. That would be incredible. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Like when I, there's a few girls at our gym who are five, mm-hmm. 10, five, 11, six feet. And it's really wild watching them move. And, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I, if so, I think it's going to be like one person, like a, a major outlier, or it's going to be a while. Ryan, see if you can find a good picture of a giraffe running, like sprinting, like one drinking water and like lifting its head up and then taking off and running. Have you ever, have you ever seen those people who are so tall? There was, I went to UC Santa Barbara and there was a, a lady on the basketball team who was six, seven. And when I would see her on campus and she would walk, she would walk like a great, uh, a great blue heron walks in like, wow. or a, a snowy egret walks in a grassy field. Like they don't walk forward. Like they lift their leg up and then like clear the grass and then lower it. That's what it looked like she was doing. Whereas like shorter people like me, I just lean forward and catch myself. Like it, it's just a different, uh. It's just, a, oh, yeah, yeah, this is good. Look at these. Yeah. We need one of these in the games. Man. So, Savan, here's an interesting I mean, one not even, about your... They're running, but they're not running. Is that the only animal that runs in slow motion? My God. Where are they going? Where are they going in such a hurry? That's so cool. Oh, can you imagine the guy who... Caught that on film. What has this podcast come to? <laughs> anyway, if you're a woman and you're over 5'10", please train harder. We want to see you in the games. Okay, sorry, Brian. Go ahead. Do you, I'm going to I'm gonna say – sorry, Brian. I'll let you go. I was probably going to say something stupid. What? No, you weren't, Hobart. You haven't said anything stupid yet. All right, well, here we go. Do you think it's because um, the gymnastic strength – is harder for taller athletes and might even be harder for taller female athletes compared to like a six foot male counterpart that we haven't seen tall, a tall woman make it like a really tall woman. Yeah. Uh, possibly. I mean, you also have to consider the qualification process and how much it's changed in recent years because it wasn't like that easy to make it to regionals even, you know, and, and if you were, in the open, you had you were testing like things that were yes, range of motion could definitely play a factor if you're talking about the last ten girls in or the first ten girls out, and you know that all the workouts are going to have burpees and chest bar pull ups and handstand push ups and thrusters, where it's just like man, I have fifty to seventy reps of all these different things that I'm just at a three to eight inch disadvantage on on every rep. So yeah. that was for a long time the way that you like that was the first step in the process. 
now because so many people can advance from semis to quarterfinals and you know you can get into the second stage where it might be you know the, the the type of things that are tested could be a little different than we're used to seeing in the open and if you can get to the semifinal then you might actually have a chance to show off some of the things that are maybe advantageous for the bigger size what is, what is average height? Do we know those stats still? Like average, I mean, that's the other thing too. Oh, is like James. I think the average height of all CrossFit Games athletes is like is like five nine. Fun facts about the fittest forty for men for men Hobart on the games on the yeah, Morning Chalk Up website today. I, I published an article called "Fun Facts of the Fittest 40. and it has all these things. So the average height for the women this year is five foot four point eight inches. Um, but the, wow. but the tallest okay, is so only they, five foot seven and there are nine of them. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what? 20%. It's a big number. So the average woman 25%. is taller than Colton Mertens. The average woman is taller than Colton Mertens. <laughs> yeah. And taller than you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. But, this is my show, man. But, come I on. Think, but I think that answers your question right there, Savon. I think if you see that, you know, that you might see an outlier once in a while, just like you do on the men, right? Like there's not a lot of Fakowskis in the field. Hey, what's the shortest woman? Is Has a woman ever 4'11 been in the game? Shortest listed this year How is like in Kristen, the modern era. Who? What? How tall was Kristen Clever? I think she was she's five, foot. Five, five feet. But, and the shortest woman this year is also listed at five feet. It's La, uh, Laurie Cunha from Brazil. <clears throat> Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, shall we move on to the sprint, the final event? I know we were, we were supposed, we were supposed to be done and, uh, this show was only supposed to be 45 minutes long and we've already crested over by four minutes. That's okay. We'll, we'll keep going. The, uh, you said you, you know, the format that the, uh, this event's going to be in seven. Well, I mean, I just, I just, I don't know. I haven't <laughs> ta- look at Hobart. I don't know other than like, I think I know everything. But like, no one's told me. No one's given me. I I know nothing about these events that except for what you tell me, Brian. I don't even see the announcements. Although I did watch the one with Max Greenfield because I thought it was funny because he's the voice of that character on Ice Age, and my kids watch that show. So I thought it was funny that Dave had the guy who does that scraggly creature uh, <laughs> do the games announcement. Oh wait, wait, one more one more question before we go to event three. Hobart, did do people ever walk up to you who meet you for the first time and say, "Man, you're bigger in person." Oh, taking shots fired. No one's ever said that to me. <laughs> you felt that? I tried to ask Damn. that with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> that was so mean. That was so mean. Uh, okay, Brian, event number three. Tell us, what is event three? <laughs> well, I actually hope that it's not the knockout style format that you guys were talking about earlier. And the reason is because I, th- I think that there was a specific reason that he... Wait, what is that format? I don't know what that format is. Tell me what that. What is that? Wait, wait, wait. Real quick. Someone says Rebecca Voigt was is five nine. Sorry, that's it. Um, we can move on. Okay, and she's masters. Well, she's and, been I to mean, the games she's... over. Like, this is going to be her like twelfth or thirteenth total year. Yeah, she has grandkids. Did you know that? Really? What? No, she's only no, no. Yeah, she's it's possible, but. <laughs> What was it? What, what was I? What was I supposed to be talking about? Format of the sprint: five hundred and fifty yeah, yards. You said you hope it's not knockout, but I don't know what knockout is. Explain that to me. Like the last time they had a sprint workout at the games, it was event six in two thousand nineteen. Well, we're you know that had this format, and there were uh, at that point there were twenty guys left, 
and 20 of them ran and then they took 10 to the next round and 10 of them ran and they took five to the final round and those five were placed one through five after the final run and we so say bye-bye <laughs> <laughs> so so if you made it to the final five you ran it three times yes and i don't think that any of the athletes or dave want to have people running this race three times because i i have to believe that this distance was specifically chosen for one of two reasons, possibly both reasons. The first is logistics, so that he knew that the course that he wanted to run in Madison, and it was 550 yards, and so that's the course. Or he tested this workout enough times and he at different distances, and he saw, no, that's the sweet spot. Right at the 450, 500-meter mark when these guys are pushing and have to push because it's going to be a close race, that's when the legs start to go. That's when they start to lose control of their body a little bit, and the people that are really prepared for this distance will will excel. The last third of the I race. I honestly don't know if he can run. <laughs> um, I honestly don't know either. So uh, I I like Brian's second analysis. It reminds me of the hill run in two thousand nine, where basically people were winning it until the last. 50 feet, 30, 40 feet, and, and all sorts of placements were changing. I have a specific experience with this workout from my past or with this, with this phenomenon from my past. It was uh, when I was coaching a high school football team in Texas. And, uh, well, the entire school was black and Hispanic. And the entire football team, except for the kickers, was black. And obviously, you know, they're very fast high school ki kids, fit, state semifinal football team. And the, and I was pretty good at running hey, at that time. Hey, before you go on with the story, remember Hobart has a real job. What? So just be careful what you say. To, go on. <laughs> um. And uh. Anyway, the coach had me had me like be as a rabbit for them. He was pissed at them, and he's like, "All right, coach, friend's gonna get a twenty yard head start on a four hundred, and if none of you beat him, then you have this thing to do." And I was. I was in a pretty good running shape and I went for it, but I knew how fast these kids were. I mean, some of them were the fastest track athletes in the school also. And I was ahead with like 50 yards to go and uh, my body just gave up and my legs started going and one guy passed me in the last five yards. So I'm expecting to see some of that in this event. What do you think, Hobart? Uh, the sprint 550 yards? The sprint event's always one of my favorite events at the games just because of uh, the viewer satisfaction from it the foot race and i think it's i don't think it's something athlete i still don't think it's something athletes train a lot and it showed up at the games constantly you know <laughs> it's like like clockwork um and so i like watching athletes get exposed in this one uh brian why do you like it i like it because it's relatable everyone runs or everyone has seen people run and they can i mean anyone could, that does crossfit could go do this workout and once they see what it is, they can say, okay, I'm going to do this workout and see how well I can do against these athletes. And some of people out there, maybe some people that you'll watch this show or listening right now, can actually beat half of the field in that workout. But if it's the third workout in the day, how would you have done in the swim paddle workout? How would you have done on the rope sled muscle-up workout? How will you do on whatever the lifting workout is that might come after it? And then you start to see, wow, these people that are within seconds of me on a workout that's my best workout – can also just obliterate this and this and this that are so different. So it puts in perspective that even guys that generalize, they can do everything, are just as good as specialists in specific things like running. 
And it's going to expose some people too. This is the kind of event where one or two of the athletes are going to look just goofy as shit. Like you're going to wonder if they've ever sprint, right? Yeah. But that's what's so cool about the virtual games this year, right? That virtual event that they're running kind of parallel to the games. Like maybe this is one of the events they choose to have athletes compete in because it's so, it's so simple to apply. You don't need any equipment. That's what's really cool about it. That's why they, I hope they don't use a vest, right? Because like you said, Brian, I could just go out and try this. And be like, oh, wow, not only would I have lost in all the other events, I suck at running and sprinting, too. There's a, There was an event at Wadapalooza the last time they were able to hold it. And it was a, a, a rowing event. And it was the exact same rowing event for every division, from elite to pro to RX to intermediate to beginner. And actually, the fastest, the best two scores on that workout came out of the intermediate and RX divisions, not the pro elite division. Um. Um, what are the virtual games? I saw something, I think I saw something about that today on Dave's Instagram. And, I, and as soon as I saw virtual, I just <laughs> scrolled right by it. So <laughs> is, can anyone enter that? Yeah, I think anyone can, can enter it. I honestly, I think the signups on the games, um, but they're going to run similar events to the events that the athletes are doing. Obviously they won't be able to do everything the same, but I imagine like this one is a perfect one. Um, and then you kind of get a chance to compare yourself to the, to the volume and the intensity of the weekend that some of these athletes are going through. Does it cost money to sign up? Is it like the, are they using the open, um, you know, software for that? The open format? Actually, I don't know the specific detail of that. I don't know if it's free to register. I wonder if the spectators can do it at the games. I wonder if there's a place where you can do the, Oh, here we go. Here's some competition details. I wonder if spectators can do that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Go to the games and then, and then you know, you can do the workouts. That's too small for me to read, especially with these cool sunglasses on. Uh, starts so July 8th. July 28th on the Wednesday. Registration dates start July 8th and August 3rd. Um, oh, yeah, price $50. And there's a, okay. there's a rule book for it. I love it. <laughs> that's so cool make sure you read the rule book people or don't read the rule book and you can be on our podcast later <laughs> here we go <laughs> oh man win this event don't read the rule book and you're guaranteed to get on this podcast <laughs> if that interests you there you go people oh man we should, they should, do they have that in the prizes? You get to go on the Sevon podcast if you win this event. That should be, they should give that to the CrossFit. That should be, uh, first, second, and third place at the CrossFit games. You get to come on the podcast. I think if you scroll all the way to the bottom and zoom in as much as technologically possible, it's in there in that fine print. It's in the small print. <laughs> it says, it says the CEO's podcast. So up for interpretation. I was thinking about changing the name of the podcast, actually. To get the word CEO. Please don't. The, Se the Sevon CEO podcast <laughs> or something like that. I think it's good how it is. But man, this thing has such great traction. This thing has such great traction already. Um, overall, um, Hobart, you first, first three workouts. Are you, are, do you have any complaints? Do you have any um, pats on the back for Dave? What, what are you seeing historically? No, I think this is fantastic. I, you know, one of the things we talked about and we kind of, we kind of railed about, you know, leading up to this was, seeing the evolution of the events as they progress from open to online to semifinals to last chance qualifiers. And I think we've already seen three events that are so far different than anything that was tested. And that's really exciting because obviously, 
there, there are the Brian, there's only one Brian, a friend of the world, but you know, Brian can give a lot of insight into who might come out on top, but I think you get to see some exciting things with a lot of these newer athletes. So I like these first three workouts and, um, it seems like it's going to be a rough weekend. What, what about the, the, the people who made it a career per, to uh, professionally bitch about the workouts? They bitched about workout number one. Um, is, is that just be, to get views on their, on their YouTube or their Instagram or? Probably. And secondly, if, um, if anyone's, Brian is really amazing and I would let someone buy him out of contract with the Sevon podcast if the price was right. Brian, what do you think about the three workouts? I mean, I, I, I have, I like, I like the combination of workouts and I'm hopeful that they'll all happen on that first day of competition on Wednesday and maybe even the potential for a fourth event in the, in the night to close things out. Um, but it's a great opportunity to, I think it's a great combination to kick off the games because like James said, there's a bunch of, uh, of things that are being tested either in different capacities, combinations, or just entirely that we haven't seen yet. And, um, there's a big, there's actually, you know, there's a big group of athletes here this year that either are rookies or have only been to the games once. And that once was in the last two seasons. So this is like a great initiation to what, you know, the, this weekend's going to be for them. And it's going to be a different, more difficult and more intense test than, than they've probably ever done before. And certainly these three workouts are no uh, joke in terms of getting that started. By the way, someone did bring up a good point. Amanda Goodman was only five feet tall. I don't oh, know yeah. if that's true, but I remember her being very short. And she's a multiple-time athlete at the games, right? Yeah. Um, Brian, and what do you think about um, keeping the um, swim and paddle event um, pure versus – and they're already not pure by mixing the two together if they are going to be mixed together. But what do you think about keeping them pure as opposed to you know, what we saw – I'm at the games where you're in a pool and you get out and do some GHDs and kettlebell swings. Something about me likes, even though I agree that it's boring maybe and that, you know, but I, I like having a, a pure swim event for some reason. I mean, not as a spectacle. One, though. So I agree with the, the, the haters like that. when They say that one thing I've always wondered is this, if we would ever see two swimming tests or water tests at the games, because you could e you see running tested four or five times in different capacities almost every year, and if you want to have a workout that's just a 500 meter swim like we've had before, I think that was also in 2016. Great, but why? But because a lot of people, I mean, Maderos talked about it when we spoke to him. He's like, last year's swimming test wasn't a swimming test; it was a biking test, which is fine. Get in the water, get out of the water, do some work, get back in the water. I'd love to see that tested in addition to more of the pure water test that we we have this year. Okay. Are you predicting a second swim event? No, not not for this season. But I hope make, I hope at some point that we have that. I don't see any reason we couldn't. You, you, I heard Ben Bergeron's amazing at predicting events because basically he has a spreadsheet where he looks at all the events and sees what's been there and what's not been there. Um, is that something that you do also on top of just your your constant, um, you know, scanning and and studying of the athletes? Do you study the workouts too? De yeah, I, de I definitely do. Um, I don't usually get too involved in trying to predict what's going to come, but I certainly have noticed some patterns over the years. Yeah. Um, guys, who's my, whose mic is louder? Is my mic too loud? I'm trying to figure out the volume for my mic. If you guys, if someone on YouTube could say, 
whether one of us is too loud or too soft. We in in and we know Brian's breaking up. <clears throat> we know Brian's breaking up, so you can save that. You're gonna hurt his feelings. He's probably already gonna cry when we get off the call. <laughs> I agree. Someone said, uh, John George said the swimming muscle up was awesome. That was actually pretty awesome that year. And it did have a lot of swimming and that was really fun to film actually to get to see them come out in and out of the waters is, is an awesome spectacle with those amazing bodies those guys have. And that was, was um, that the first swim event that the games did? No, I think the first one was called the beach and it was like that Murph style with oh, the yeah. swim at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, that okay. really long. They're one. saying all our volumes are good. Thank you, Al. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow an event gets released. Tomorrow an event does get released? I, I think that's what Dave is on 7.15. I'm, I'm predicting a uh, lifting event. I, I think we maybe see three rep max shoulder to overhead. Oh, I mm. love that. And that would be a great – I think that would be a really cool – something similar to that would be a really cool – cap to the first day of competition you go along with the swim middle range like 15 to 20 minutes with the the sled muscle up pig have the sprint that's a you know minute and a half time domain and have a lift in the evening that's a very good first day of testing and the swim and the paddle could possibly smoke people's shoulders you, you don't i mean but is that a hard one i think it's the lats it's a very the paddling is very intensive on the lats and then you have to come back and pull the sled and do those muscle ups so that is certainly a factor that shouldn't be neglected when thinking about those workouts in combination. Is that going to be a hard one to judge, Hobart, if they did a, a shoulder to overhead? I mean, I know they've done it before. Is there, con- <clears throat> is there always controversy around that, around that little knee bend? or? Well, if they did shoulder to overhead, that would probably be the easiest of the lifts to judge because it was just you could do whatever you wanted and the standard would be lockout. Okay. Like a push press, a push press was harder, a strict press – you know, can, we've seen be harder. I think like a jerk or a shoulder overhead is easier. What do you think, Brian? Get even more specific. You think it'll be strict push? Anyway, no, I, shoulder I was overhead? extremely specific in my prediction. I said shoulder to overhead because I think it's the easiest standard to measure and judge. And for three reps, especially, if you want to like say like, okay, let's see who can who can do this. You can do it any way you want. Who can put up the most weight? Awesome. Uh, tomorrow, guys, we will be posting, uh, hopefully at 11 a.m. tomorrow, the podcast that Brian and I did with Elijah Muhammad that Hobart was unable to make because he wasn't invited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm taking you off favorites. And, but Elijah uh, Muhammad's awesome, so I'll awesome. take that. It was a great I'll take inter- that dig. It was a great interview. Let me see. Uh, let me check the calendar and see who else we have. Uh, we, tomorrow we're interviewing, um, Max L. Hag. Uh, that's Travis Mayers. Ooh, got it in there. Travis, what? Did I say his name wrong? Why are you laughing? That's Travis Mayers coach and Noah Olson's coach. And who else? Is he Chandler Smith's coach? Uh, not anymore. No. Okay. And then in the evening, we're interviewing Gabby Megala. Uh, that's tomorrow. And then on Friday, and I'm really excited about this, we're interviewing Brandon Luckett at 7 a.m. Uh, a lot of people have been DMing me, telling me he has an amazing story. Can't wait to get to it. And then in the evening on Friday, we're doing Allison Scuds, who's head of the demo team. And uh, maybe we'll invite Hobart to that since Hobart's been on the demo team and there's something he can contribute. 
Fair I've enough, never been right. the captain, though. You haven't ever been the captain? No, because it was during Paul Trombley's reign. But it's cool to see it's cool to see Scud a new captain. So that's rad for her. Um, she's not the first. Oh, I, I I was asking around and seeing if she was the first woman ever to be a captain, <laughs> and she's not. Who was telling me there was another one? I can't remember who. Oh, Julie Fouché, I think was the captain. Makes sense. All right, guys. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. Um, Brian is going to get a Cat Six cable, you know, sometime in this lifetime, and plug his computer in. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully Scott, I need Scott to bring me one. That's probably, that's probably Scott who? The guy in the comments. Oh yeah. That's probably the uh, best thing about going live is that we got these uh, comments rolling. And we say bye-bye.